we're going through difficulty at work, God is working overtime. He is really engaged and, and working on us to make us the women and men that he's called us to be. So I, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. Maybe some of you have heard it before, but it, it says, C.S. Lewis, it's in the, the beginning of his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast. I'm Dr. Chip Roper, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Sarah Evers and Ken Kennard. In this conversation, we discuss dilemmas, specifically the dilemmas we face at work. Dilemmas are a part of life, monthly, weekly, sometimes daily. So how do we faithfully approach these dilemmas? How can we trust God and listen to his spirit as we tackle the hard choices we face in our work? In the last quarter of 2021, we completed the Dilemmas Project, an in-depth study of the biggest challenges people are facing at work now. With the help of our partners who enlisted their networks, hundreds of people responded in a short amount of time. The study reveals the opportunities for God to be intimately involved in our work. In this episode, our team will introduce the topic of dilemmas, some of our leading findings, and what we believe God may be doing as we honestly face sticky work-related questions. Let's get to the conversation. You know, this last two years has resulted in a lot of people reassessing uh, their work, and more probably than ever. And when the pandemic began, everybody was worried if they were going to have work, and now that that's all flipped around, and uh, you know, the great resignation continues, and people are changing and transitioning uh, their employment and really record numbers. And so we're asking questions about our work and our callings and our vocations and how do we get to where we're meant to be, you know, and how do, and many of us probably have a list of things that we're looking for. And I just put it all under the heading of better work. And what we want to suggest uh, today is that mining your dilemmas is a way to get some answers uh, to some of those questions. It's a way to get to better work. And I want to make a bit of a case for it as we kick this off, because I think uh, in a lot of the literature, um, you know, you focus on the positive, you focus on your strengths, um, you know, you set some goals for the new year, and then if you just kind of click it into gear, everything's going to be up to the right. And we're all for goals, and we're all for discipline and diligence. You know, we, we, we not only preach those things, so to speak, but we, we've seen the fruits of them in our lives. But we also see that there can be sometimes even an outsized impact that can come from facing some of the challenges that we're facing in our lives. And we think that that's, um, there's a uniquely spiritual power to that. So I, I wanna go through a couple of ideas about why dilemmas, you know, like why, we're gonna, why are we talking about dilemmas? Well, uh, four reasons. Uh, the first is that dilemmas deal in reality. Like we're, when, we, when we honestly articulate what our dilemmas are, we're being honest. And you know, one of the things about work is that when you go to, when you, when you, when you work, you are living in the midst of, there's always tension involved in work. Uh, there's just, there's tension in the workplace. There's tension between the work area of your life and others areas of your life. Uh, there's, there's, there's almost always some form of tension. And that doesn't mean it can't be good and joyful at the same time. It just, it's just, it's just there. And so we think, you know, what a waste to paste on a social media smile and just pretend everything is great. Uh, when it's never, you know, people say it's all good. It's a lie. Okay. It's not all good. 
Um, you know, we think God is good and he will bring about our good, but actually God says some things aren't very good. So like that, the whole, that whole phrase is just, uh, uh, it's just terrible. So anyway, um, I just told you what I really think. So we're de- dilemmas deal in reality. That's, that's, that's one thing. The second thing is dilemmas really, and I didn't define it, but when we think about what a dilemma is, it's really a forced choice. Uh, you're put into a position where you have to choose between two alternatives or more, more, and it's not immediately clear or easy what you should decide. That's what a dilemma is. And, you know, we know that choices shape our path, right? Um, they really do. They, they form our lives. And I think back, uh, there's a famous phrase uh, from a leader in the Old Testament named Joshua who said, choose this day who you will serve. Me and my house are going to serve the Lord. Like, we're all in. We're going, we're going down this path. And, um, you know, we, we know this is true, that choices shape our paths. And, and so when you're faced with a dilemma, you know, what, what you do with it has um, almost like an outsized power to direct your life. And, I, you know, sometimes I think when we think about God in our work, we get really wound up about where is he and how do I find him and that kind of thing. And I think it's really a lot of it plays out in their choices. You know, it's when you're faced with a choice. You know, do I, do I keep this client or lose this client? Do I take this job or stay where I am? Do I, how do I, how do I respond to this difficult person in my workplace? It's in that, it's at that intersection where we make a choice that things really start to happen. And so choices are powerful. Uh, a third reason why we love focusing on dilemmas is because they're what's big in our lives. And, um, you know, if, if, you, if you feel safe enough to be honest, about your work, you will be sharing about a dilemma. You know, if you have a friend that actually is good at listening, you will be telling them about some question that is, is dogging you. I, I think about uh, Jesus' disciples, and they were, they were really good at something counselors call immediacy. You know, they just sort of said what they felt and thought in the moment, and it was really, really messy at times. And, but, you know, here he is, the Son of God. He's not He's not set, put off by that. He just dives into the mess with them, and he does that with us too. So dilemmas are what's big, and that's an opportunity for, again, this sign of authentic connection with God and even others. And, and the, th- the fourth reason I think there's some value in dilemmas, um, it has to do with how God uses difficulty in our lives. And um, the way I'd summarize it is struggle is kind of like God. We're, when we're in struggle, we're in God's gymnasium. Hebrews chapter 12 is one of those places um, that talks about God's discipline. It says, endure hardship as discipline there in verse 13. And, you know, we have some baggage with the term discipline. We think of it as sort of the punitive actions of a parent, maybe even an overbearing parent. And that's not really what discipline means. Discipline is, is is an intentionally shaping or forming process that, you know, it's, it's helping you grow and learn. It's, it's, it's like a rubric of transformation. That's what discipline really is. And so when we're going through difficulty, you know, God's at, when we're going through difficulty at work, God is working overtime. He is really engaged and, and working on us to make us the women and men that he's called us to be. So I, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. Maybe some of you have heard it before, but it, it says, C.S. Lewis, it's in the, the beginning of his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. He says, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I, I think 
you know, we're not we're not trying to be negative Nellies or sour. You know, just the folk. We're not focusing on the negative, but we're saying there's a space where we need to let it out. And we need to we need to face it and embrace it because that's where that's where God's shouting to us. There's a great upside potential uh, if we face our dilemma. So that's some of the heart uh, behind where this idea came from. That there's there's a real potential here, and a lot of the a lot of the sort of official speak is all we want it to be all positive kind of all the time. And we think that doesn't always match reality, too. So I want to invite Ken and Sarah to come. And what do you guys think? You know, what do you think about the yeah. case for dilemmas? Well, I, it's interesting you say that we don't want to focus on the negative. I was just coaching a career navigator recently who was preparing for some job interviews. And I said, let's just practice a question. You know, tell me about a conflict you've had at work. And I could tell he was not interested in discussing any negative things in his previous job. And he said, I don't really have conflict at work. <laughs> I said, oh, come on. You know, if you've got a job, you've got conflict. There's things going on at work where you're against each other or you're trying to resolve something. And, and so I kind of pushed him on it and he eventually came up with something. And it was a dilemma that he had to resolve at work. And as he told me the story, I realized that the decision he made really said a lot about what kind of worker he was and the kind of character he had and what kind of results an approach he was taking. And by the end of our interaction, he kind of agreed that maybe it was okay to talk about a dilemma at work because of all these benefits that came from addressing it instead of hiding it and saying, oh, you know, I don't, I don't ever have conflict at work. I thought that was an interesting uh, shift for him. Yeah, I, it's funny you you touched on that first uh, reason of why you even talk about dilemmas and that being that dilemmas are part of reality. And I had a mentor who told me years ago that when we walk hand in hand with Jesus, we have nothing to fear about reality. And that means we don't have to um, hide the bad and we don't have to only focus on the good, nor do we have to live in that victim mentality of things being all bad all the time. And so I really like this approach of acknowledging and addressing dilemmas because it's just part of life. It's part of life in a, in a broken world, in a world that is out of Eden, east of Eden, gone from Eden. <laughs> and as we figure out how to navigate this world um, in a way that is um, upright and just, um, that loves mercy uh, and that honors and follows God, I think acknowledging reality is part of it. I think Christians have gotten a bad rap for being Pollyannas. Um, some, some Christians have gotten a bad rap for being Pollyanna. So I really like this approach on reality. You had a mentor who said, um, being a Christian um, is bringing as much of you as you can be aware of to as much of Jesus as you can, as you know, and that both are always in sort of process of evolving, you know, the whole you to the whole, the whole Christ. And I think um, sometimes for lots of reasons, we feel like we need to hide uh, the broken pieces and we don't need to, we don't need to. Yeah. You know, Chip, you also talked about how um, dilemmas are, they're big in our life, right? It's a big part of our life. And when we spend the better parts of our waking hours in work, whether it's at home or a remote location or actually at, at an office, we're spending the majority of our hours in something where we, you know, it's an opportunity again to embrace reality. And so I, th I think when we downplay dilemmas or we um, ignore that they're there or we're not willing to talk about them, it's really a big part of ourselves that we're closing off uh, from others. Cool. All right, well, let's keep going. We want to tell you a little bit about what we've discovered so far. Um, much more to come on this if you uh, keep tracking with us uh, this year. But um, so we asked people about their biggest dilemmas at work. And I just want to walk you through the top five. Um, 
that that trended uh, trended to the top five. The first dilemma is work-life balance and boundaries, and uh, 61% of people said that this was a ch real challenge for them. And it seems that work is taking over more and more real estate in our lives, and um, it doesn't really matter. Uh, what we found is it didn't really matter by industry, age, or even geographic location. We had 26 nations represented in our data set on this uh, on this research, um, and it you know if you work in the supply chain, you work in healthcare, you work in the service sector, you're overwhelmed. Uh, if you work in an office job that especially one that went remote, uh, in a you're, I just know a lot of people that are busier than ever. Uh, more and more is expected. And, um, you know, efficiency has gone way up for white collar workers working from home, but that just means they just work more. Um, so, so work feels overwhelming. And it, this raises lots of other questions like, is it okay to work as much as we do? And how do we know where the line is? And if we do draw a line and we feel confident in it, how do we maintain that line? So, work life balance and, and, uh, boundaries is a is dilemma number one, far, far away, the, the runaway thing. The second dilemma is burnout. And, you know, maybe it's a result of blowing through the yellow light of dilemma number one. I don't know. But, it, you know, burnout is when you just, all the motivation, all the energy to do your work just drains out of you. And you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and apathy, disengagement are signs, I mean, even self-sabotage, where you start to do things almost like you know you're not doing what you need to do, and you're almost hoping you get caught to somehow spark. Maybe fear will just give you that spark that you need to be productive, but you really, you're shot, like you're just tired. And we've, we've definitely seen some of this in our clients uh, that are coming to us these days and saying, I just, I just, I hit a wall and I just couldn't do this job anymore. And I, you know, I just, I was just shot. So that's that's burnout, you know, and we we know it's true that sometimes we're in toxic situations. Not always. We wouldn't say that always means you need to leave, but uh, that can be a factor. There's also other things that can affect us in terms of burnout, in terms of, you know, the company culture, our personal health, things going on in our family uh, sectors of our lives. I mean, it's complex, but burnout's big. Uh, dilemma number three, uh, which seems like you might think it might have been at the top of the list, but it's not. And it's the, this question, should I stay or should I go? Uh, should I stay in my job or change jobs? And that was still, uh, what we, yeah, we had 31% that said that. Not very surprising in the great resignation with over 4 million people changing their jobs every month, which is about 3 three to 4% of the work, workforce. So when you look at six, seven months of that, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of people changing jobs all the time, almost 20%. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things underneath this, uh, this whole idea of people changing jobs. And some people are just like, they're in a job that wasn't really loading on their strengths or their talents or wasn't really going anywhere. They want a better job. Some people lost their job and they're finally sort of getting around to like, yeah, now it's time to get one. Some people are retiring and um, the pandemic accelerated the pace of people who are in the kind of low 60s saying, I think I'm done. Uh, so there's that. And, and we're also hearing and, and seeing that some people are saying, maybe now's the time for me to start my own business. And um, so I've been doing this and that. Now it's time for me to go out on my own. So there's a lot of things driving this question. Um, and we, we did a web, we've got a, an episode about this from a few months ago that's still pretty current. So you might want to check that out. Dilemma number four 
is as a lack of alignment with corporate leadership, and um, it's a lack of alignment, and it's it's coming up in a bunch of different directions. First of all, it, it came up in folks saying, you know, I don't I don't agree with my company in terms of where they are in terms of social responsibility or activity. And some people think their companies are doing way too much in certain certain directions politically, and some actually think they're not doing enough. So it's really spread out in terms of what people feel, but it, it feeds into a broader category and this idea that I'm working for a company whose leadership I do not agree with. What do I do with that? You know, it, the company stands for things or is enacting business strategies and policies or has a culture in terms of the way a lack of responsibility or too much like there's just a there's just a miss here uh, and for some folks they used to feel alignment and now they don't so there's a change and so they're just feeling like how do I stay at a place that I don't fully agree with what do I do with that what does God want me to do with that so that's that's dilemma number four lack of alignment and then uh, dilemma number five probably not surprising to many of you is just what's it look what's the post-pandemic office look like and there's a lot of people that are saying, I'm wrestling with, should I work from home or not? And it, first of all, which is really interesting and just them saying that is that they feel like it's their choice, not their employer's choice. And that's an interesting kind of tipping of the scales in terms of who has the negotiating power. Uh, and we, we think that's true. Uh, but there's also just this, this sense that, so they have some choice. Um, there's some upside, some advantages to working from home. Some people don't want to give up. There's things other people really miss. The whole return to the office, at least here in New York City, has been put off again by another wave, Omicron. And so that it just this this question just keeps going and churning and churning and churning. Um, and then then when we get some feedback from leaders, you know, they're dealing with this from a little bit different angle. They're like, you know, how do I onboard new hires in this remote environment? How do I build culture? How do I really even figure out if people are doing their jobs? Like there's a whole other bucket of questions that are related. This. So we've got these five dilemmas, uh, just summarize them real quickly again. So the work-life balance, boundaries one, number one, far and away. Second dilemma, burnout. Third dilemma, should I stay or should I go? Fourth dilemma, a lack of alignment with leadership. And then the fifth one, what do I do with the post-pandemic office? So Ken and Sarah, what do you think? Enough dilemmas for us to chew on? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's interesting. These are some of the dilemmas that I'm hearing as I talk with uh, potential career navigators and other clients who are looking for some, some help, some direction, some coaching, some consulting. Um, these issues aren't just the ones that came up from the hundreds of people who responded in a short period of time to our dilemmas project. I mean, they're, they're all over. Um, they're, they're all over. Yeah, and as I as I absorb these dilemmas, it really makes me anxious. Actually, I, I feel my heart rate uh, increasing because I I sense the difficulty that's in these dilemmas. And as I reflect on them, I realize there's not a single dilemma here that I've been trained to deal with. Uh, I didn't go to school and cover any of these topics. I didn't. I no one no one guided me in the company culture through the potential for misalignment or how do I know if I'm burning out or when should I quit my job. When was the last last time a boss, you know, gave you a, a real help about when to quit your job, you know. So it, it feels like not only are they dilemmas and they matter, but they're on topics that we just aren't really prepared for. I mean, the, the one we're least likely to be prepared for is what to do with the pandemic. I, but, you know, I just feel like all of them is kind of 
ready for sort of fresh learning and discovery. And we kind of got to, it feels like we have to make this up as we go because there's not a lot to rely on. One and five seem connected to me, the work-life balance and boundaries um, dilemma, and then the work from home versus in-person. In some ways, I can see those two um, connecting, but the, the issue, the, the corporate alignment to um, social consciousness and corporate culture, that seems to be a new one uh, that I hadn't heard about in years past when I think about work I've done with clients. Like the that alignment, I, I think organizations are, are now taking a bigger stand, a much more visible stand on different issues um, in, in U.S. politics and um, justice and, uh, you know, other areas of life. Um, so I think this is now becoming a bigger issue as people find out, you know, do, do I align? Do I agree? Can I work for an organization that I might disagree with? And they need to do more, they need to do less. Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of a new one. Well, can I have bad news for you? You're stressed out by five, and there's actually 18, I think, that we tracked. So, um, this is just the, these are just the top five. Um, but we're we're gonna we're gonna spend more time on them in subsequent episodes. But we wanted to just give you guys a little bit of a preview, and of course, we're gonna get to your questions in just a few minutes. Um, so, so anyway, those are the top five. They're real. Uh, they're consistent. And what was fascinating to me was that they're consistent globally and uh, generationally. So that, that, uh, that's been really interesting so far. Hey, I want to spend a little bit of time as we kind of wrap up the formal presentation of this and just talk about, well, okay, we need to face our dilemmas. Here's what they are. Uh, what, what is in the offing for us as we do? Like, what is God offering for us as we potentially face some things that you may, it's always frustrating to face a question you don't think you'll be able to answer. Like, that's... That feels like futility. Why bother? Um, and be- before we, before I kind of get to the, the the carrot, I just want to talk a little bit about what we're offered in our culture as we face difficulty. And I, I want to suggest that there's three un- less than less than helpful messages that we get in our culture as we think about facing difficulties, dilemmas, that kind of thing. So the first message is, well, you're the hero. So you know, you just need to suck it up. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Uh, muster up your courage, pluck it, you know, your, your, your grit, and just plow through. And, you know, there's some sense of optimism and even capacity or even agency is a word that maybe fit. That's really, I think there is some, there is some sense of that, you know, um, and God has certainly um, provided us with a measure of ability to shape our world and that kind of thing. But you know, there are also limits to human agency and there are limits to what we can control. And, you know, I think that the you are the hero just makes it sound like you just got to, you just got to run the right play and everything's going to turn out. And we don't think that's, that's, that pulls in the theological realities that we're human and we're limited and we're broken. And you just have to have honest conversations with people to realize that that doesn't quite fit everything. A second message that we're hearing, I would say even more of these days, is that you're the victim. You know, you're the victim. And, you know, you've been taken advantage of, so you should just rage quit. That's actually a thing, rage quit, which is not like a very polite professional resignation. It's a screaming, hollering, throwing things, I'm out of here. I don't even know how you do that on Zoom. Like we just throw things at the camera or something. But, you know, it's rage quit. It's just it's just give full vent to to those emotions. And it's this anger, anger fueled trajectory, which 
you know, when does that ever, I mean, you might feel better for a, while, a little while, but it almost always leaves a wake of baggage uh, behind you and more hurt and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's um, but it's become kind of popular. And, and, you know, we don't want for a minute to suggest that people have not been taken advantage of in the work, in the workplace. You know, there's discrimination and, and other things and harassment, they're real. I mean, and, and again, you start to talk to people, you realize, yeah, a lot of people have the story about that kind of thing. So we're not, I mean, we're not taken away from that at all and a quest for some real justice. We think those are actually not just good things, but biblical things. It's, it's this idea that the way to deal with it is to just rage and just to, you know, flame out the door. So that's the you are the victim message. The third victim, third message is that, and nobody would ever say this uh, out loud, but the mess, the implied message is this. Essentially, you're hopeless. And, and here's how the math works. Um, here's how the math works. Um, the assumption in our culture is if you are experiencing, if you are experiencing difficulty, you must be failing in some way because people who do it right win. And so if you're not experiencing, like if you've got these dilemmas you can't answer, if you don't know where to go or what to do next, or you don't know how to resolve something, the implied message, not the spoken message is you are not doing something correctly. You are failing. And uh, so the, the ultimate you're helpless. Like you just might as well live a life of quiet desperation and, and just resign yourself that, you know, work is just kind of, kind of suck and that's the way it is. And so we don't like that either. You know, that just feels like accepting defeat. But those are the messages we think that are widely out there. If you listen, especially between the lines out there in the world, you're the hero, you're the victim, you're hopeless. And we think God promises us so much better. And uh, two words that I, I think summarize what God promises us as we face these dilemmas. Um, the first word is wisdom. Uh, Jesus' brother James famously wrote that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he's going to give it to you and he's going to give it to you generously. Like wisdom is knowing what to do. It's just not, not just knowing about things. It's knowing what to do. And James just says, well, you got to ask for it. You got to ask for it and God wants to deliver it. And um, listening to a Tim Keller Christmas sermon and he said, you know, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Let him counsel you. And it's like this is a real there's a real time opportunity for God to intervene in our lives and provide us the wisdom we need, you know, on a just in time inventory delivery kind of way. Uh, and that's that's part of what is promised to us, that he will give us wisdom. And in other words, he will help us discover what we need to do as we face our dilemmas. And the, the other word, which is kind of maybe wisdom is a subset of it, is just the word help. And um I don't know a lot of people that like to ask for help, and I'm not one of them. Um, but when I really get to the point of desperation, if I know help is really going to be there, it's it's a tremendous relief. And um, recently, was traveling through Hebrews four, where it says that you know Jesus connects us to God in a really unique way, a, a completely unique way. And in light of that, it says, "Let us." I'm reading over here on my other screen. Let us. Then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You know, mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And, you know, God promises to help us. Promises to help us. And so 
you know, in light of, you know, all this, you know, we've got all this noise out there. We've got the dilemmas themselves that are, they're weighing on us. And, and then we've got God saying, I want to deliver what you really need. I want to deliver wisdom and I want to deliver help. And I, I think that nets out to a big idea. And that's that if we will open up the door to the challenges in our work, to the moving of God, the wisdom of God, Jesus will become what I call a real-time Savior. Like, we're really experiencing it in the, in the moment, the day-to-day kind of warp and woof of our lives, as opposed to um, sort of this distant thing that we need maybe sometimes, especially when we're facing illness or death, you know, those types of moments. It's not just that. It's everything. And it's, you know, the questions you're facing in your work on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Psalm 88 begins with the line, Lord, you're the God who saves me day and night. I cry out to you. And it's just this idea that it's, it's an all the time need of depending on him. And then he promises to deliver the wisdom and mercy or wisdom and help we need to figure out what we need to do with the dilemmas we're facing now for now. So, you know, we don't want any of you to give into the temptation to hide and hide from your work dilemmas. Um, they're the very spaces that we think God wants to fill. And, uh, we're excited about this project. You know, this is really just the beginning, but we're excited about kind of the spiritual upside that can come as we are honest about what these things are and then unpack uh, what God has for us in them. So that's that's a spin on and how this can be better and, and what I think we think God can do as we face our dilemmas. Ken and Sarah, you want to add, add to that? What do you think? Well, I was just thinking that uh, how does God's help come? You know, when we have the honesty to say what's true. Um, A lot of times the help um, either comes from, you know, God taking the situation away or making it better. But sometimes it's actually he's helping me develop the character I need to get stronger or to make better decisions or have to have better spiritual practices, to be more resilient. Um, And so that takes a little bit of honesty. I'd rather blame shift and, you know, have God put a Band-Aid over the problem and make the pain go away. Um, but <clears throat> as I reflect on the, 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 what comes with addressing dilemmas with honesty and truthfulness and saying what really is, um, I think that's also where we do a lot of our growth. Yeah, that, that, I hear that. The, 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 there's an invitation to growth that I don't always want to accept, <laughs> right? Because um, when you think of a child who needs help, their, their immediate response is arms up to their parent, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm help, I'm in trouble pick me up, rescue me from, you know, whatever boo-boo or puddle or, you know, there is a sense of, of surrender that comes with asking for help. Um, and that, that mental image of raising my arms to the Lord um, in an act of submission, in an, in an admission of defeat, an admission of coming to the end of myself that I don't always want to have to do. Right? I don't want to acknowledge that I'm at the end of my of my abilities, and really, when we walk with Jesus, it's it's not our ability; it's us um, immersed in the Spirit. It's the Spirit living in us and through us, and that invites us into a supernatural experience, not a natural experience of of my own ability. But boy, can you talk about that invitation to deeper character? And that means that I'm living constantly with my arms up in um, submission to the Lord, admission that I don't have what it takes to get everything figured out. Yeah, and it's funny because when we, we talk about work, we talk about competency, right? And we all want to improve our competencies. And 
there's a sense of that, that that's good. But then there's this other side of it where it's like, yeah, but even when you're really competent, there's going to be sort of a, a, a black box mystery factor where you're just going to run into things that are, you're, that are beyond you. Like that's, that's just, that's the journey. It's, that's what's going to happen. I give up. I surrender. Not my power. Over and over and over and over again. You know, and that I, 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 um, I think about, um, the, the third thing that you talked about with, um, those less than helpful, uh, stories that were told. And the third one that you mentioned was that we ourselves are hopeless. And that's that Eeyore mentality that I, every once in a while I find myself slipping into where I feel like, well, this is as good as it's going to get. I better just be happy because it's just going to be like this forever. And that, that Eeyore mentality, that, that hopelessness is, um, it's pervasive in a lot of work environments and a lot of people I've, I'm talking to. There's just this lack of hope for themselves um, and for their workplace and for what work could be. And boy, what a hard way to live when that's the majority of the hours of your day. And that just, I think just that, that overspills, overflows into the rest of your life. Well, great. Let's go into some Q&A. We're going to launch a poll uh, and see if there's topics you guys want us to go into more depth on. And um, we'll also just take, you can chat in questions. We had one question, um, Chip, that came up earlier. Um, Bill wants to know, did you track the, tr the response difference between leadership and line workers? We did not. Um, I don't think we sorted that out at this point. We did. We just we looked at people's industry and title just in general and didn't did not observe any you know significant variation. Mm. I was wondering if that had something to do with like you know how we talked about the decision to go back to work in person or not, <clears throat> and I wondered if there was a difference there because I know some companies like I, I read in the news recently that. Um, a healthcare facility, you know, fired all the workers that weren't willing to get vaccinated because, you know, they felt like that was essential to being a worker there. And other companies have tried to do similar things and have experienced a lot of pushback. So it's a dilemma we're all still facing, I think. Yeah, I like, Nathan, I like where you're going in the chat and just talking about dealing with uh, colleagues and there's a risk involved. And that's a dilemma, right? I mean, it's a dilemma. Do we just kind of plow through it, sweep it under the rug, pretend it's not there? Um, or do we, uh, do we broach the difficult subject, especially the difficult subject that doesn't cast us in a great light? So we, I think we've got the poll uh, now. We're going to see what the results are. All right. right. It looks like almost half of the people said that they would like to hear more on how to approach God for help in times of need. So what's that look like for you guys? What do you think? For me, it starts with humility, just like you were talking about. Like, do I really need help? I guess I do. What does that say about me? And so it starts with just this recognition that there's a God and I'm not him. And um, I really can't solve all my dilemmas by myself. Um, the other thing I think it involves is um, worship and awe. You know, I just I just am floored with how powerful God really is, how much he's controlling how his scope of time and his um, awesome power and um, the way his plans never fail. And so um, it brings me to a place of worship um, where I can be okay not being in charge and actually celebrating how in charge he is. That's kind of where it starts for me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting, Ken, because that whole aspect of worship is really big for me. I mean, that, that image of the child who throws their hands up when they're at the end 
or um, you know, when people surrender in times of war, it's because a more powerful force has overcome them. And so they put their arms up, their weapons down, they wave the white flag. It is, it is uh, entrusting themselves to a power greater than their own. Um, and that's what runs into, through my head when, when I need to run to Jesus in times of need. It is that approach of arms up, my own reputation, my own self-protection, my own attempts at preserving myself. I've got to lay down those weapons or those armaments uh, and allow myself to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God, by the, the mercy of God, by the righteousness of God, and, and knowing what aspect of God's character to call out to, right? He's going to help us in our time of need, and I can approach God as my comforter, as my shield, as my strong tower if I'm feeling overwhelmed or attacked. Uh, I can approach God and call out to, on his character to, to meet me um, in, those, in those moments. And I think I'm really... I'm really grateful to be able to worship um, in public, in person again, because the time of worship and singing has been so moving and meaningful for me, where, where I connect with other believers in worship, in song, in a corporate way, and it's not just me and the TV or me and my family and, the, and, the, and YouTube, but we're really in person, and no longer do I just hear myself, but I hear the voices of the saints around me. Um, and I think that also reminds me that I'm not alone and somehow in God's immeasurable math, in the midst of all the people worshiping and praying and crying out for help, he still somehow sees me. He still sees me. That's really awesome. It's interesting because I, I want that same feeling that God sees me. I just kind of get it differently. I I think some of it is, and Dave Ridley, our you know our, our content partner on resilient leadership talks about kneeling prayer mm. and physical posture is important and i don't kneel all the time but when i'm really feel like i need god's help i do so which means i should kneel more um <laughs> but there's something about that about getting down on your knees and just saying god i really need you i think i need to fill my mind with content that reinforces me with more gospel rooted things that it's, this is not another Christianity, real Christianity, real Jesus is not another version of the performance game. And it's so hard for us to, we just need constant reprogramming on that. And then when it comes to the specific issue, uh, after the praying, you know, specific issue that how do I find God's help? It almost, it always involves people. You know, we have to talk to people. And um, I, I believe on a good day, uh, I believe that God has put all the people in my life that I need to be the man he wants me to be and to get through the things that I'm facing. And, and that part of, what he, part of the way he delivers his help is through the people that he's surrounded me with. And a lot of times we cut them out. And, um, but I believe like that guy's already gone ahead of us and he's already, they're already there. And you know, the answers are, I mean, can we dare use this phrase? They're in your network. And, but <laughs> the way our networks develop, I think, is a combination of our own effort and God's sovereignty. So it's kind of like it's there. So yeah, that's how I'd answer that. Um, Tara, you got more? I do. I was just thinking, um, you know, growing up, I'm thankful to have uh, parents who were believers. My mom always said, read five Psalms and a proverb. Whenever I would talk about having a, a problem, a people problem, she's like, well, read five Psalms and a proverb and then let's talk. 
<laughs> so that that that's always in the back of my head when I need help. It's like, well, if it's reconnecting with God, if it's dealing with an issue at work, five psalms and a proverb. That's really good. That's really good. Um, Ken? The second most popular uh, poll result was counteracting the hero, victim, and hopeless mentalities. And uh, Chip, I like that you identified those as, um, you know, what we're hearing in the culture. Can you say more about like how to get to the place where we're counteracting them or not listening to them or uh, what can we do with them? Well, I, the first thing we have to realize it, that we're receiving a message, messages and... You know, we some of what you, we do at Voca, you could loosely, you could loosely categorize as career advice. So, you know, we we tend to like we read all that stuff. I you know we try and keep up on it. It's part of our profession, and you just and some of it's good. Like there's some wisdom there. Like okay, but there's still this deeper message I think that's implied that if you just get the formula right, um, your life's going to be great. Which by which we mean you're going to be healthy. You're gonna have fun, and you're gonna be comfortable, and, and rich, and rich. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's that. It's all that, and it's like so. What's what's helpful for me has been to realize I've met some people who are really, really, really great people who don't have that comfortable life. You know, like it's not a one for one sort of mechanical process. And and then you look at people in the Bible, and you realize. Like the, some of the people that were closest to God had the worst experiences from a, you know, American lifestyle point of view. They had terrible lives, Jesus being the supreme example of that. So, you know, it just seems like we need to, we need, we just need to constantly, A, be aware of these messages that we've, we've all been enculturated with. You know, things like you can be whatever you want when you grow up and just you know, go to school and work hard and you're going to have a great, like that's all the stuff that we've been, we've been formed in that. So we have to call it out and then we have to reprogram ourselves um, with kind of this gospel or biblical reality that, you know, there's joy and there's sorrow and they go together. And that's the journey that most people have most of the time and God's at work in both. And, but reprogramming means remind, filling yourself with voices that remind yourself of those things that there's a, there's a content intake thing uh, one of my favorite teachers said, we have to preach to ourselves. Yeah. And um, you know, we have to preach to ourselves. We are, it's, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of, there's some language out there about self-talk, but this is a little different, it's more intentional. What, do you, what are you actually saying to yourself? Um, and so there is a sense that we, we have some power, some capacity to shape our imaginations more effectively for, for reality um, and push back against those, those, um, those negative life-sucking messages that don't really help. Well, great. I think um, this has been a great discussion. I think, uh, I hope all of you benefited from it. It will be, it will live on in a podcast episode at Resilient Faith at Work. And there's more to come. Ken, did you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, I, well, I was just thinking, you know, this is, feels like the beginning of a conversation. And I know that one of the plans is to go deeper into these five different dilemmas feels like we've just scratched the surface on those dilemmas but if it's a, if it's a dilemma it means it's difficult to solve we're not just going to solve it by mentioning it so i'm kind of looking forward to going deeper on these things you know work-life balance what a timely <laughs> topic for our day when work and life are being balanced in the same room <laughs> many times for, uh, 
as we're trying to navigate, uh, you know, work from home and the pandemic and so on. So I'm looking forward to the series uh, where we're going to go deeper into these different dilemmas and actually get more insight on each one of them specifically so we can actually develop some skills and tools and perspectives for how to make these tough decisions. This is the first in a series of episodes covering the issues surfaced in VOCA's Dilemmas Project. Subscribe to keep current on the latest. If you're looking for support and counsel for your dilemmas at work, reach out to us for coaching. We would love to help you find and apply God's wisdom to your work life. Our clients consistently report a sense of relief and clarity as they work with a faith-based certified coach. You can sign up for an initial coaching conversation at vocacenter.org consult. This conversation was recorded in front of a live virtual audience, and you can be a part of that audience. Register to join us and shape the conversation with your questions. Sign up for the next live webinar at vocacenter.org slash webinar.